بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين أجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من أعوانه وأنصاره الحمد لله we are able to start uh, our series on Munajat Khamsat Ashar again as you know uh, this time we are starting the fourth of the Munajat which is Munajat or Rajin Rajin is the plural form of Raji and Raji is the one who has Raja Raja means hope so this is the Munajat for the people who have hope. Right after Munajatul Khaifin, those who have fear. You know that in Islam, we are always to have a balance between fear and hope. If we are very fearful and this reaches a very you know extreme condition then it becomes very harmful because then you would have no courage no hope you would not do anything because your fear stops you functioning you think that it's useless to do anything and if you are too hopeful and you have no fear at all then you may indulge, you may relax, you may not do anything especially you may not stop doing bad things so we need to strike a balance between fear and hope Amir al says that a person who is faqih, al-faqih, kullu al-faqih which means a person who has proper uh, knowledge, a proper understanding, a deep understanding of Islam is the one that neither makes people lose their hope not, no, nor make them lose their fear. If I come and all the time speak about fear, 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 about hell, about punishment, about bad things that we do then it's not a balanced way of doing tablid and teaching Islam or if I come and always talk about hope and rahmah and um, always tell you that you know don't worry don't worry then there is a chance that maybe you would go to the other extreme Amir al says, Al-Faqih, Kullu Al-Faqih is the one who doesn't make people lose their hope and doesn't make them feel safe with respect to Allah's anger, Allah's plans. Al-Ya'amn min makrallah, as you know, is one of the major sins. If someone thinks that he can do whatever he wants and Allah is not going to do anything against him, this is wrong. And also, Al-Ya'asman rawhallah to be despaired this is also bad so 
after talking about Munajatul Khaifin, this, this is the right time to talk about Munajatul Rajin. The Munajat starts with this sentence Bismillah ar Rahman ar Rahim. Yaman iza sa'alahu abdun a'ta. You know, we want to start our conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We praise Him by mentioning some of the qualities of Allah that are related to the issue of hope. You know, if you want to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you mention some qualities that pertain to your request. The first thing we mention is, O oh, the one who gives to his servant when he asks him. If someone goes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and asks him for something, Allah will not disappoint him. Those who are generous, when people go towards them, they will give them. Of course, Allah is so kind and so merciful that even He gives to the people who don't ask Him. You know, in the dua which we recite after Salat in the months of Rajab, we say, Ya man yu'tal kathira bil qaleel, ya man yu'ti man sa'alah, ya man yu'ti man lam yas'alhu, wa man lam ya'rifhu, tahannunan minhu rahmah. Not only he gives a lot instead of a little that we do, not only he gives to the people who ask him, he gives also to the people who don't ask him and even don't know him because of his rahmah. He gives to those who don't believe in him. He gives to the people who are still very young, you know, a little baby in the womb of mother, a newborn baby. Allah gives them. Allah doesn't say, because they don't ask me, I don't give them. Even those who deny Allah, Allah still gives them. So, to give to the people that go and actually ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is something that you expect from such a person. He gives to the people who don't ask him and don't believe in him. So what about the people who go and ask him? So, Yaman إِذَا سَأَلَهُ عَبْدٌ Oh, the one that when a servant asks him, he gives him. So this gives us hope that now that we are going to ask him, he's not going to disappoint us. وَإِذَا أَمَّلَ مَا عِنْدَهُ بَلَّغَهُ And when his servant has hope, Amala comes from Amal. Amal means hope. When his servant hopes in what is with Allah, means what Allah has, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make him rich his desire. So, a servant knows that Allah has, for example, knowledge to give, wisdom to give, sustenance to give, good husband or wife or children to give, good uh, position to give, respect and reputation to give. 
he has all these things in his hand and when someone goes to him he has this quality that he gives them you know when someone comes to you and you are a kind person and he asks you for advice you give him he asks you for money you give him whatever you can do to make a person happy to make a person hopeful to save a person from losing his courage and hope to save a person from becoming despaired and hopeless you will do if you are a kind person if you are a noble person so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely gives the people the chance to reach what they hope what they want from those things that he has this is in my understanding even more important there are people who ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something like as I said knowledge wisdom ma'rifa understanding you know money job wife husband children good house reputation respect these are all good you can ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you should ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but more than anything else is to ask for Allah himself to ask to be close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself when his servant goes to him he brings him near and he makes him close Orb means closeness. Donov also means nearness, closeness. So when a person wants Allah Himself, Allah also gives him chance to be close to Him. You know, sometimes people give you something, but they don't like you to be close with them. For example, there is a very, for example, I don't know, respected alim, a scholar. So you go to him, he gives you advice. But he doesn't easily accept a person to become his friend or family friend. Or you go to a generous person and you tell him, I want some money, so he gives you. But you say, I want to visit you in your house and I want to become one of your companions. That's another issue. He may not accept that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not only gives us what we need, he also makes himself available to us. This is very important. Allah doesn't say, you are not worthy. You are not, you know, good enough to be close to me. Or I have so many good people, so many pure servants that never your turn comes. I have 124,000 prophets. I have imams. I have martyrs. I have awliyaullah. My friends how do you expect to be close to me no he never says this he makes himself available for every person he is such a kind allah subhanahu wa ta'ala such a kind lord and we should appreciate that we should make benefit of this and we should not think that this is going to remain forever if billah, allah makes himself available to us and we don't go to him and we don't request for this 
maybe this offer will no longer be applicable to us. Maybe we would be among the people that Allah's wrath would reach them and make them totally, you know, hopeless. So we have to appreciate from this, uh, appreciate this point. Uh, one of the stories which is very interesting about the people who really ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a story which is about the king, Qaznavid king, Sultan Mahmud, and his servant Ayaz. Of course, this is about king and his servant, but it's about Allah and his servants. So we can take lessons and use it as an analogy. Ayaz was a very um, simple person as far as finance was concerned, but was very wise, very knowledgeable. Sultan, the king, very much loved him and very much, uh, you know, were giving him a kind of privilege to be close to him. Some of the people in king's, you know, court and king's, you know, um, government, they were jealous. They were jealous and they tried to damage the reputation of Ayaz. For example, they were saying to the king that Ayaz is a very arrogant person, is very much proud of himself. He is not that kind of humble servant that you think. So one day the king, to test this and to show this to the, you know, those who were against Ayaz, that this is not true, uh, pretended that his uh, jewelries and you know valuable things that he had in hand dropped maybe he himself deliberately dropped them but he pretended that they were dropped for example so lots of perhaps coin or you know pieces of jewelry they were dropped and the king said whoever takes whatever you know he can would be for him so people started going everywhere, looking everywhere to find these jewelries. And you know, when something drops, when you are standing, something drops, maybe it goes 5 meters, 10 meters, 15 meters, you know, away. Depending, you know, what is the object and, you know, what is the ground. Anyway, so these people were everywhere looking for the jewelries. But Ayaz stood up next to the king and never went for anything. So those people who took those jewelries after they finished their job and they you know, managed to do whatever they wanted, then they started complaining. They said, look, didn't we say Ayaz is very proud of himself, very arrogant? When you said these jewelries are yours, he must have appreciated this is the gift of the king. He didn't want to, you know, bend down and you know take the gift of the king it shows he is arrogant so the king said let's ask him himself what is his explanation and Ayaz said the reason I didn't go to collect this because I wanted to stand next to you I had a choice to remain close to you or to go far and collect these jewelries I prefer to remain close to you as a servant, I have to be close to my master, and I have also to be available to protect him, to you know, do what he wants from me. 
So the king said, look, this is the difference between Ayaz and you. You want what is in my pocket, as we say. You want my money, you want my jewelries, but Ayaz wants me myself. So this is what we say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that those who go towards him, Allah makes them near and close to him. This is very important. These are the people who aim at being close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When someone is shows openly his disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Jahara means to do something in public, very clearly, very openly. Asyan means disobedience. So sometimes some people disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any hesitation. They don't cover it, they don't hide it. This is the worst type of sin. If someone commits a sin and feels ashamed, tries now no one knows about it, and he, he or she himself doesn't say to anyone, keep it very you know hidden. This by itself is good. Of course, committing a sin is bad, but this quality is good that he doesn't want people to know about this. Why? Because, first of all, he doesn't want to appear as an enemy of Allah, as a person who is disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, he doesn't want to encourage others to do the same. Because a person who commits a sin publicly, in a sense, he's sending invitation to others, you know, I am doing this, you can do the same. And then gradually committing sins becomes normal. It's very much asked in Islam that you don't disclose your sins to others. You don't do sins in public and you don't see uh, disclose those that you have done in private afterwards. So, if it happens that someone commits a sin as a way of opposing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and maybe he does it openly also not openly in the sense that in public necessarily maybe it means openly means in the sense of he knows that this is a sin because as I said if it is done openly it's very bad Islamically and perhaps here openly means a very clear act of disobedience not a public you know act of disobedience so either this sentence means oh the one who covers the scene of a servant who opposes him who stands clearly against him which is more likely or means the one who appears in public to disobey Allah I say the second is less likely because this person already has damaged the, uh, the cover and the you know protection. But the first is more likely that the one who is openly disobeying Allah, but openly in the sense that he knows that he is disobeying. He knows what Allah has wanted from him. 
and he, he has no hesitation to say to Allah that I don't want to do this because every act of disobedience is saying to Allah that I don't want to obey you you may not say this as you know expression but when you do a sin it means that you are saying I don't want to obey you so in any case what is important is Allah has this quality of covering our sins there are many things that people don't know about our problems our sins our bad qualities Allah covers it like a mother a father if there are some for example weaknesses in their children they don't want people to know for example if my son has a for example you know bad memory I don't want to people know about this or if my son has I don't know bad you know um, qualities normally we don't want people to know about them because we want to protect our children it's not that we want to deceive people that's another issue sometimes for example you want to get married and you know your son or daughter has a problem and you hide it then that's another issue sometimes you misguide people that's another issue but normally speaking we don't want people to know about weaknesses of our children we want to protect them we should have this quality about every moment but especially you know we do this with respect to our children for example Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does this with respect to all his servants he doesn't want people to know about their mistakes about their sins about their problems their shortcomings especially if they themselves want to be this those who try to keep themselves away from public appearance of disobedience Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely will help them and uh, support them so we have to um, appreciate this quality of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَإِذَا تَوَكَّلَ عَلَيْهِ أَحْسَبَهُ وَكَفَاهُ when his servant trusts him he would be uh, sufficient for him he would suffice him and therefore the servant of Allah who trusts him would be able to achieve what he wants one of the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does is that he supports you and he is sufficient for you as a support if you trust him to trust Allah of course this has a you know very beautiful discussion about what is the meaning of tabakkul what's the meaning of trusting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala definitely it doesn't mean not to do anything and just trust Allah so this is not trust trust means that you do your best but there are things which are beyond your control things that you cannot predict things that you cannot you know for example foresee there are things that other people are supposed to do there are things that for example depends on nature for example you are a good farmer you do your best but if the rain doesn't come if for example some I don't know um, birds for example attack your farm these are not in your hand you cannot control or for example you do business but then the market may go wrong these are the things that are not your hand to trust Allah means you do your part and then ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help you with regard to the rest of the things 
those things which are not in your hand. If someone plans and works hard and trusts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be sufficient for him. He doesn't need to worry. Allah makes the best thing possible for him. And if for any reason the best doesn't happen to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give him something better in akhirah. Because, for example, sometimes what I need depends on functions of other people. And because they are free and Allah doesn't want to force them, maybe it's not possible to give you right away what you want in dunya. But Allah makes sure that your efforts will not be wasted. So he gives you something more in akhirah. In any case, he is the one who is sufficient to be helper. And he does for you whatever is best possible thing. Ilahi, man alladhi nazala bika multamisan qiraq fama asaytah. After saying those qualities, then we start saying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a very intimate and friendly and close you know, way. My Lord. Who is the one who has come before you seeking your hospitality but you have not shown him your hospitality? He has not received your hospitality. He has come to you. He has knocked your door but you have not opened the door for him. A noble person never rejects those who want to be his guest. If anyone has gone towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has honestly, genuinely knocked the door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and said, here I am, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has certainly shown him hospitality. Who is the one that has come to your door, has dismounted at your door? You know, in the past when they used to ride horse or camel, they used to come down and have a station, have a manzil. Who is the one who has come down from his camel, from his, I don't know, horse, and wanted to have rest? So he has come to your door and was hoping that you would help him. You know him, he's a traveler who is tired and with difficulty had reached this point. He needs some rest. So he has come to you, but then you have not shown him uh, your hospitality, your generosity, your help. No one can say, I had such an experience. I honestly went to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he didn't show any attention to me. So, now that you have these qualities, which are well known, and you have shown to everyone, So, is it good that now that my turn has come, and I have come to your door, you turn away in, let me turn away in disappointment. Why I have to be an exception? 
how can I then find a replacement? Everyone has come to you, has been well received, well treated, well respected. What about me? Why you are rejecting me? Is it possible? So we have hope that we would not be an exception. We would have hope, very much, you know, we are hopeful that if we go honestly to him, he would treat us in the way that he has treated other people so far. Especially, we have to remember, وَلَسْتُ أَعْرِفُ سَوَاكَ مَوْلًا بِالْإِحْسَانِ مَوْسُوفًا while I know of no patron, no master qualified by beneficence but you. There is no one else. And I know that you are the only source for ihsan, for beneficence. So, I have no choice. This is my only house that I can knock. And if someone comes to you desperately and says that I know there is no one else to help me then you would feel more responsible to help him how can I hope someone other than you to help me while all the good is in your hand it's very important you know if you are the only one who can help someone but he thinks that others can help him. So you say, okay, try them. If there are others who can help you, go and ask them. I am not feeling you know, bad if you don't come to me. Go and ask them. But if you say, no, I know that you are the only one that, you are, is who, that who is able to help me. And I'm not going to try anyone else. Then the person who has been asked for help would feel more responsible to help such a person and then as a backup as a theological backup for this idea that I know no one else can help me I say something very true about the creation how can I have hope in others in someone other than you while I know that everything is in your hand. Al-Khalq wal-Amr. You know, in the Quran says, Lahul Khalq wal-Amr. Creation is in your hand. And Amr, the command in your hand. He creates and he legislates. According to one interpretation of Khalq wal-Amr, you can say creation and legislation. It has also other meanings that, uh, one meaning I have mentioned in self-knowledge. That Amr means to the creation of the things which are mujarrad, which are abstract, and Khal refers to the creation of the things which are concrete or material, and therefore it refers to both uh, realms of creation. But one interpretation also says to Khal is creation and Amr is legislation. In any case, I know that everything in this world, whether it comes to creation or running the world and lordship, everything is for you. So how can I have hope in someone else when everyone else has no role, no position? Allah, I cannot stop having hope to you. 
Should I cut off my hope for you? وَقَدْ أَوْلَيْتَنِي مَا لَمْ أَسْأَلُهُمْ فَضْلِكَ While you have given me out of your favor what I have not even asked you. When I have been given many things that I didn't ask for, how can then I lose my hope? You have given me many things even before I was born. And after I was born and I didn't have understanding. So, when you are such a Lord that He gives His servants even before being asked, so how can I lose my hope when I ask you and I beg you? أَمْ تُفْقِرُنِي إِلَى مِثْلِي وَأَنَا أَعْتَصَمُ بِحَبْلِكَ Are you going to shift me to someone like myself and say go and take from someone like yourself, another human being, while I have come to you? Would you make me have need for someone like me, for my life, whilst I hold fast to your cord? Habl means rope, kind of cord, rope. وَعْتَسَمُ بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ الْجَمِيعَةِ As Quran says, I have come to you. Then, you Allah said, go and ask someone else. While you know and I know that no one other than you has ability to help me. They are all poor. يَا مَنْ سَعِدَ بِرَحْمَتِهِ الْقَاسَدُونَ Oh, he through whose mercy the strivers reach felicity. Those who strive, those who cast, cast means they make intention. They want him. They go to him. They have become happy. They have achieved salvation and felicity. وَلَمْ يَشْقَأَ and those who ask forgiveness are not made you can say wretched or it's opposite to Sa'ida Sa'ada and Shaqawa these are opposite Sa'ada means felicity, happiness, salvation and Shaqawa means wretchedness or you know suffering the life losing your fortune this is the meaning of shakawa and niqma is opposite to ni'mah means um, stopping giving favor and blessing and faith and making you lose and suffer so allah is the one that those who ask forgiveness from him they have never become misfortune and, for example, um, suffered and have had miserable life. And something very nice, very beautiful. كَيْفَ أَنْسَاكَ وَلَمْ تَزَلُ ذَاكِرِ Oh Allah, how can I forget you while you have always been thinking about me, remembering me. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remembers us all the time. If he doesn't remember us, then we would not be able to survive. 
the moment Allah stopped remembering someone, that person disappeared. That person has stopped to exist. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time remembers us, therefore we have to remember him. And then if we remember him, he remembers us even more. How? He remembers us when we remember him by giving us more mercy. Therefore, it's possible that a person forgets Allah and Allah says, if you forget me, I don't remember you. But you must remember that when he says, I don't remember you here, means I don't remember you with love. I don't remember you with, um, you know, the way that I remember the mu'mineen. Ozkuruni azkurkum. He says, remember me. If you remember me, I remember you. This is additional remembrance for Allah. Otherwise, Allah remembers everyone who exists. So, when you have remembered me by keeping me in existence and also by giving me lots of things, how can I forget you? And how should I be heedless and be diverted from you while you are my constant watcher? You are always seeing me and you are always monitoring me. So I cannot be heedless. إِلَٰهِ بِذَيْلِ كَرَمِكَ أَعْلَقْتُ يَدِي وَلَنَّيْلَ عَطَايَاكَ بَسَطْتُ عَمَلِي فَأَخْلِسْنِي بِخَالِصَةِ تَوْحِيدِكَ وَجْعَلْنِي مِنْ صَفَّةِ عَبِيدِكَ This is the last part that we discussed today and inshallah the rest we do it next session. إِلَٰهِ O Allah, O my Lord I have fastened my hand to the skirt of your generosity. You know, like when you go to your mother or to a person, you take his shirt, for example, and ask for help. This is the maximum uh, way of showing your need. I have stretched forth my expectation towards reaching your gifts. Is a beautiful expression of saying that how seriously and you know eagerly I have come to you so now that I am asking you and beg you so please make me pure purify me through the purest profession of your unity and please make me among the chosen servants of you, those who are very close to you. Okay, we stop here and inshallah we continue the rest in the next inshallah session. Uh, we have a question. Bismillah uh, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. What do you think is the reason or rationale for Allah to treat people same without differentiation? Believers, non-believers, or those who ask and don't ask, as you put it. I would think that Allah favors those who follow His teaching and guides. Of course, uh, you are right. We didn't say Allah treats them without difference. What we said is that everyone receives from Allah's mercy. Whether they know him, they don't know him, whether they respect or don't respect him, he gives them. And this is why they exist. 
but there are additional extra types of mercy for those who ask never a believer a pious believer is treated like a criminal we say in Dua is the one who is a transgressor, is a sinful person, and the one who is mu'min, are they the same? For sure they are not the same. He has inclusive mercy for everyone, and this is what Rahman refers to. He has additional mercy for the good people, and this is what Rahim refers to. In the message of Thaqalain, we have a series of papers on God's mercy, and inshallah soon the paper for spring would be available online you would see how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has additional mercy for uh, the people who are good who do something who make efforts and um, inshallah you will find that mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the same time that is given to everyone at the same time, there are reasons for qualifying yourself to uh, receive more. You can go to uh, com and inshallah you will see papers on understanding God's mercy. Okay, this is... Uh, the only question I had so far okay so if uh, okay if, if there is no other question then I can stop here and inshallah our next session would be in the months of Ramadan and I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give us all ability to enter the months of Ramadan as his good guest, the guest that observe the protocol and the etiquettes of being a guest. If we are a guest, he knows how to welcome us and how to respect us as guests. What is important is we should make sure that we are good guests for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A guest never disobeys his host, never makes mischief in the house in which he is a guest. A good guest never annoys other guests. So if we are good guests, definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best host and he would show maximum hospitality to his guests in his month, inshallah. May Allah be with you all the time. May Allah be your support and support of your family. May you, inshallah, be given the taste of sweetness of whispering to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially in the months of Ramadan. And may Allah make us able to witness Laylatul Qadr, insha'Allah. Thank you very much. Wa akhiru da'wana. And alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.